gentlemen, it is time for the Global Threat Report, the Global Threat uh, Solutions. Uh, that's right. Uh, 100% military veteran-owned security investigations firm. Global headquarters right here on the island in Suffolk County. Also offices in New York City, Miami, L.A., overseas, Frankfurt, and Mumbai. And, of course, the Global Threat Solutions CEO, the Captain Ken Bombay. over 21 years of law enforcement intelligence experience. Uh, serving as a military intelligence officer in the Middle East for peace of mind and uncertain times, please go to the website. The company just provides so much, so many services. GlobalThreatSolutions.com, the aforementioned Captain Ken Bombay. Sir, I am sorry for keeping you waiting a little there. I apologize for that. Uh, that's on me. No problem, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Indeed. Lots uh, lots happening. I wanted to uh, go over a couple of things. A very big happening overnight into this morning. Uh, as far as one of the planners of the October 7th attacks uh, in Israel uh, taken out. Give me a sense of that. Give me a recap what occurred there, my friend. Go ahead. Yeah, so one thing that I've stressed since the beginning is, Jay, on October 7th, that was absolutely probably the greatest intelligence failure Israel's ever experienced. And the prime minister and others will ultimately probably be held responsible for that politically. However, don't forget that Israel still has one of the greatest intelligence services in the world. And when they hit this commander, this mosque commander, who has directed this attack on October 7th, don't for a second think this was random or, or a mistake. They have intelligence. They're tracking these people. They're listening to conversations of Hamas fighters and others in Palestine right now, and they have an entire unit whose only mission is right now to track down and kill every single person who was involved in the attack on October 7th, and this is one of them. So I think this is a big score, and I think it also is going to completely disrupt the uh, Hamas strategy going forward when they take out these key leaders. No doubt about it. As uh, Israeli forces again uh, have uh, taken out a top commander of Hamas, this is one of the individuals who helped carry out the attack, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but uh, that is uh, the case: the killing of Nasim Abu Ajina, the commander of a battalion uh, that's in the northern uh, division of Hamas, and this is a guy who's responsible for directing these attacks against uh, the Israeli citizens, 1,400-plus uh, killed. Uh, but uh, a very important uh, situation. Now, with that being said, Cap, we have had a lot of attacks as far as our U.S. air bases in the Middle East. Yesterday, another one. I think that's 24 right now. And we have only been retaliatory in a sense of only one time. Uh, which is uh, which is hard to believe. I mean, you know, how how much longer? And we all know where this is coming from, where the orders are coming from. Obviously, Iran. I mean, how much longer do we sit and wait and ponder uh, as far as a, a next move of uh, of uh, somewhat proportionary interest here? Yeah, yeah. This is a concern. We hit two ammunition weapons depots in Syria in response for, at the time, I think it was 15 strikes against U.S. forces by proxy groups of Iran. And obviously that had little effect because now, as we speak, from the 17th till today, there's been 25 attacks directed against U.S. forces. 
in the Middle East. Obviously, all of these were done by Iranian proxy groups, and these were one-way drones and missile strikes. So, Jay, we talked about it after we targeted those carriers. Uh, we lost you there for a second. Hey, Jay, Go ahead. Jay, I'm back. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, so, so we, I was just saying, we, we struck those two sites. Obviously, it didn't have a big impact. And Iran, they, they clearly stated, you've crossed the line. They told us they were going to be attacking us. They've been attacking us for numerous times, uh, 25 since the 17th. And it's time for us to step up our, our actions in targeting Iran directly and their assets. And I think unless we do that, we're going to continue to see these strikes. And, uh, you know, I think that this is a political decision because President Biden's so concerned about an escalation in the Middle East. And, and at some level, I think that's inevitable right now, Jack. No doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, listen, the the beat goes on. The strikes continue in Gaza. The tunnels are being hit. You know, I was thinking, that, I mean, if the tunnels are being hit, do we have some sort of intelligence uh, captain regarding these hostages which are around 240 or so give or take one or two uh do we have a sense of of possibly where they are if they are in and around those tunnels how do we keep them safe uh from these uh from these airstrikes right now yeah so so israel as, as i stated they have really robust intelligence services they are definitely um tracking they're very familiar with the tunnel systems you know on a regular peacetime basis they're aware of those tunnels. And remember, intelligence collection is ongoing. That's a 24-7, uh, 365 operation. And they're constantly trying to build intelligence on the tunnel systems, Hamas capabilities, where they have key assets. And right now, they're using these intelligence resources to try and identify where they might be holding these hostages. Obviously, they're not going to release that information or discuss it openly. And obviously, they're the concern is they have those co-located with hospitals and schools and other infrastructure that would house civilians. But I, I would say that they're going, Israel always uses all of its capabilities to avoid civilian deaths. But might there be hostages or other civilians? Of course, there's going to be civilians that are, that are killed in these strikes. Um, they put that they've been dropping leaflets in, in northern Gaza, telling people to leave buildings and leave neighborhoods. And then Hamas is telling them, don't leave. And they want them there as shields. So, you know, it's a very difficult situation they're in. But ultimately, they are going to target every one of these Hamas targets. And we will lose civilians. They will lose civilians in Palestine for sure. And they're using all their resources to try and avoid targeting a site that might have those hostages. Is that 100%? Obviously not. Could we lose hostages during this? These uh, targeted strikes, of course, that could happen, Jack. Yep, no question, no question. Uh, and that's what's, listen, you know blood will be shed in that regard, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting where Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, Benjamin, uh, ruling out again this pause. We keep hearing these little situations of possible pause. You and I both know that means ceasefire. It's not happening. Uh, you know, he said it's a time of war, even even as the uh, fraudulent United Nations, uh, Captain, uh, some of these agencies are calling for this humanitarian ceasefire to allow these deliveries of aid to millions of these uh, trapped uh, uh, civilians there. So, I mean, you know, that's almost like surrendering, 
right? It's almost like surrendering to a terrorist group here. Uh, and it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Israel is pressing forward with his ground operations and everything else. So there you go, right? That's right. So the prime minister said it's it's not there will be no ceasefire. It's time for war. Uh, there's global a big global push right now to have them do it. Now they're calling it a humanitarian pause because they don't want to call it a ceasefire, which is in fact a ceasefire. And Netanyahu sees that he's going to allow that to happen. He's pushing forward. But Jay, what's interesting is why. That's all, all of the calls we're hearing globally right now are targeting Israel. They want them to stop the offensive. They want a ceasefire. They want them to open the border, let more humanitarian aid in. Why are there no calls for Egypt to take these refugees? Well, I don't know. I haven't heard that one time. Why are they not demanding that they allow these, these refugees to move into Egypt to camps so that they could avoid being killed? No one even brings that up. It's not even a consideration. And another thing is why... You don't really hear. I'm not reading articles of demands for for Hamas to release the hostages. You don't even hear that. No one's saying that. Everything is targeting and trying to tie the hands of Israel right now. And it's it's people have to remember they're the victim in this scenario. Israel. They're fighting for their lives right now. This isn't revenge. This is because they obviously can't coexist peacefully next to Hamas, and they have to rid them as an organization. Palestinians allowed these people to lead them, and this is the repercussions. But they need to be putting global pressure on Egypt and other Middle Eastern countries to accept these refugees if they don't want people killed needlessly. And they also have to, why is it not bigger calls? You don't even read articles about governments and even in the media, these opinion pieces. Hamas needs to release the hostages to end this, this violence. Why, why won't nobody even calls for that? Uh, 100%. Uh, all we're seeing is demonstrations left and right. People don't even know what they're protesting about. You see the the uh, hatred uh, certainly coming about. Uh, I, listen, I mean, that's what it is right now. Uh, you know, it, it's not about a pro-Palestinian two-state rally uh, of what, you know, maybe should be in the mindset of many, although I, I implore people to go back to the history books and see what happened way back in 1947. Uh, but in essence, that's the only thing you can right now. So uh, the beat goes on. We'll see what the uh, the next couple of days brings as the ground incursion uh, ever so slowly uh, occurs and the strikes continue uh, as far as the, uh, the terrorists that it's about right now. Now, uh, let's kind of switch gears a little bit here because a very important deal happened very much under the radar here, where you had a heavily armed guy who killed himself rather than carry out an, an apparent plan to shoot up a mountaintop amusement park uh, in Colorado. And I'm talking about a 20-year-old who was found dead in an adventure park. I think it was Saturday morning, Cap, before it opened to the public. Apparently, uh, broke into the park while it was closed. He was armed with uh, some sort of an AR-style rifle, uh, had a handgun, had explosives. I mean, this is, this guy was going full tilt here as far as carrying out a lethal type of situation involved. What have you learned? Yeah, the same thing in that, you know, it would have been disastrous because by the time they got public safety response to this location in any type of way that could have put this down probably would have been slow. In the um, and what we see here is 
what you see in all these cases, unfortunately, in this case, this individual decided to take his own life. You know, Jay, these people are in these situations, like we just saw in Maine and so many other incidents across the country over the last year. These people are deeply troubled. They have, they have a lot of uh, mental health stress on them, and that's why they're, they're carrying out these acts. And unfortunately, usually what happens is after the attack, they would, they would kill themselves. Um, and in this case, this individual decided to do it prior to the attack and spared a lot of lives. But it just goes to show you the vulnerability of so many locations around the country that people aren't taking this serious enough. You know, I've, I've trained the active shooter response for years in law enforcement and with my firm as well. And I don't think enough people take it seriously. And even um, states and municipalities, you know, we have like mandated training for like fire drills, but, but there isn't mandated training for active shooter response in so many locations, people, there's simple practices that could be put in place to save a lot of lives. Um, and and there's, it's simply not being done on a, on a broad enough scale. And, and then it comes back to what we've been talking about. Uh, every time one of these incidents happen is we need to try and identify these people. Now we're going to find out all of the, you know, the red flags that might have been on the social media and, and, and mental health issues this person had. And it seems like it's a broken record every time. It's the same thing. People, someone knew about it every time, Jason. Yeah. Somebody knew that person was troubled every time, and they never took the time or made the effort to to report and try and take action. One hundred percent. We talk about it this uh, day in, day out. You know, see something, say something. Social media posts, family members. If something is not right. If somebody is acting uh, not according to uh, daily standards, uh, if you notice a significant shift as far as mental capacity is concerned, these are all signs, and they're not being recognized. And that is why so much of this happens, slipping through the cracks, flag laws, yellow, red. We talk about a lot. Uh, You know, we we need to really shore it up. And social media, as you know, Cap plays in a very, very important role uh, in all of this. All of these signals that come about via social media are not being uh, attended to properly. This is why some of this stuff ignites. And that's part of the issue here. Captain, uh, give me me a final thought, my friend. Well, to to just flip back to the uh, Israel conflict right now. I think that the U.S. has to step up their game right now against Iran and directly start targeting Iranian assets, for one thing. And I think we're gonna, we need to put more pressure on, uh, first of all, Hamas to release the, the hostages, Egypt to open their border and take these refugees to save lives. And uh, we need a stronger stance overall, I think, from the U.S. government. 100%. We'll keep an eye out. And again, we thank you. Uh, for uh, your time this morning, and I apologize for keeping you uh, a little bit uh, longer there on the hold. Uh, but uh, uh, certainly uh, very, very informative as far as your thought process. And we'll see what today brings and check in with you later. How's that, my friend? That sounds great, Jay. Thanks.